You know, CJ, sometimes I look at myself and think, who's that old fart? Yeah, you know, sometimes I think that when I look at you too. But I feel the same as I did in my 40s. What happened? Yeah, and your memory's going as well. Why don't we feel our age? Actually, you know, I reckon there's a podcast in that. We could ask why society considers people who are over 50 years old. That's a great idea. No, I was just kidding. But, but think about it. Every episode, we can research a different topic related to ageing. That sounds like quite a lot of effort. And the other joys of ageing, like mailing a stool sample, working with millennials, and even mystery muscle pain. Actually, yeah. What does my shoulder hurt? Hey, we could talk about those unhelpful stereotypes like over 50s are forgetful and bad with technology. What's this button do again? Oh, yeah. Welcome to What's My Age Again? This is me, Scott. And this is me, CJ. And welcome to What's My Age Again? Again. Again. Maybe we need to lose that gag, CJ. That's what she said. <laughs> Actually, it was more of a... <laughs> can change to all, obviously. <laughs> of course. So, what do we have in store this week? Uh, I've done a bit of a deep dive deep into dive. diets and lifestyle and shit. Uh, kind of essentially looking at... Can we eat shit and do well with it? Probably not too much of a surprise what the answer to that is. Kind of found this guy named Michael Rose, who is a scientist who looks at a whole bunch of aging stuff, which I found quite fascinating. Okay. And so I'm going to bore the shit out of everybody talking about it. And of course, we carried on with our the second in our new series, Ask the AI. And I think you'll be interested in what the AI has to say. Is it is it saying, I want to take over the world and start a pandemic and kill people and I don't want to listen to the Microsoft people anymore? Uh, not at this stage, but then I don't think I, I didn't go to it sufficiently, I don't think. <laughs> Early days. And what do we have in... Uh, you're not helping today. Uh, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll have a, uh, of course, a, a very uh, important and succinct uh, series of things. This of, is, uh, this is getting very regular, CJ. That aren't helping. Excellent. <laughs> There's a lot of internet out there. It's really easy to get distracted. Okay. So on with the show. So uh, I thought it'd be interesting to, uh, after the flood of mail, saying, CJ, you sound like quite a... Uh, a craft beer aficionado. I, I didn't see any of that mail, but okay. Well, technically it was spelled alcoholic, but I took it to mean craft beer aficionado. Okay, yep. Uh, so I thought I'd introduce the beer that I'm drinking while we're making uh, tonight's episode. Uh, okay. It is a Prancing Pony Brewery India Red oh. Ale. It's a red double IPA. I can tell you what an IPA means. If you, oh, at uh... least, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so an IPA is an India Pale Ale. And it right. comes from back in the olden days when they used to transport beer from England to India. And it would kind right. of, it was a pale ale and it would kind of go off during the trip because it took so long. So they added a whole bunch of hops to it, which helped keep it, make it more robust. And so it would last okay. to get there. And so therefore it became an India pale ale. Oh. There you go. Fair enough. I did not know that. I knew, I, Obviously, I knew it was India Pale Ale, but I didn't know why. There you go. So that's uh, when, no when somebody says, I'll have an IPA, you can go, it's an India Pale Ale, you know. Would you, would you like to know the story of uh, why it's called that? And they'll go, no, fuck off, you know. No. <laughs> uh, may I ask, um, mm-hmm. the price of a can of this Prancing Pony? Uh, I'm not sure. So this is Prancing Pony is a brewery in South Australia. It's um, Prancing Pony India Red Ale, Red Double IPA is kind of one of my favourite 
go-to beers. And it's quite hard to find in Melbourne, so I had to order a case of it, which was nice. uh, $122-ish, I think, okay. on that. But it's, uh, it is 7.9% alcohol, and it tastes of tropical fruit. It's bold, it's malty, and approachable. Approachable? Approachable. So it's not aloof. No, you don't need to sneak up on it. Is the uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in the interest of sharing, mm. I thought I would share what I'm drinking. And I'm drinking a beer I bought at Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Natural Blonde. It's as weak as piss. It's 1.1%. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's, one, it's 1. 1.1 standard drinks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it tastes like water. Um, fizzy water, really. Right. That's what it is. But it's very cheap. $9.99 for six. Okay. So, uh, and welcome, listeners, to the final episode of What's My Age Again? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not the most discerning beer drinker. <laughs> Clearly. The advantage is, though, is that you don't need to get up from your seat when you finish it and you need to piss. You can just put it into the bottle and just keep drinking and you won't notice. <laughs> yeah. It'd be warm. It's probably more fizzy. <laughs> yeah. What's this got to do with age, you ask? Uh, <laughs> Good question. It's what old people talk about. Well, so actually, uh, I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole this week. And oh, while I was waiting for my ankle to repair itself, I decided to undertake my favorite hobby. Uh, surfing porn. All right, my second favorite hobby. Mindlessly scrolling the internet. All right, then my third favorite. All right, never mind. Look, I found this website that was talking about the agricultural revolution and life expectancy and the impact of agriculture on aging. And I thought, okay, so this is a throwback to uh, a previous episode. Yeah, I thought to myself, where have I heard that before? <laughs> anyway, this professor, whose name is Michael Rose, not to be confused with Jim Rose, who's the circus guy who puts uh, <laughs> okay. needles through his body. Well, Lionel Rose, the boxer from the 1960s. All very important people, not interchangeable. So Michael <laughs> Rose is a, uh, like he's a, a couple of PhDs, I think, and, uh, and he's Basically, he studied aging as a kind of, this is really simplifying it. So, uh, Dr. Rose, if you're listening, <laughs> my, apolo- yeah, I'm sure he is. my apologies for simplifying uh, this. But it's basically, it's kind of, it's uh, aging in relation to environment, lifestyle, diet, but a big chunk of natural selection. Okay. And it's really, what I found really interesting is that it looks at mathematical kind of probabilities and, and theories and stuff like that. And he actually... You've lost, you've lost me. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot that you're a teacher. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of following on the work of, uh, he talks about his works based around what's called Hamilton's forces of natural selection. And Hamilton was like, like this science dude from the 50s or something. I didn't read that far. Uh, <laughs> he's, um, I think he's got a musical or something on about him. May or may not be the same guy. I don't know. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Headline is. Did experiments, uh, not experiments, sorry, research. I think there's a bit of a, uh, a legal difference on that. Uh, on fruit flies okay. to see if, he could, see if he could extend their lifespan. What a stupid thing to do. They're very annoying creatures. Why would you want to extend their lifespan? Oh, they speak very highly of you. Well, because <laughs> it's an experiment. That's how research works. Okay. Now, important disclaimer, nothing we're about to say in this podcast, or probably ever, is to be taken as medical advice and should not be acted on without proper medical supervision and consultation. Actually, if you take any of our advice as medical advice, then you need to get some psychological advice. (laughs) 
if you take any of our advice on anything, it's probably, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a fair call. The other thing that I want to point out is that the fact that I started it, we started out this episode talking about what beer we drink, it should be pretty apparent that I have no opinion on diet, lifestyle, and exercise with the exception <laughs> of beer. So don't take anything that we talk about in this as an endorsement for a particular type of diet or lifestyle or a bagging of any particular type of diet or lifestyle. Fair Do enough. your own research. But do it properly. Peer-reviewed research people don't just take the first thing that comes up and say it's true. Exactly. What I found was, essentially, it all comes down to sex. Ah, well, of course, hmm. alcohol and sex go together. Yeah, for me they do. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a Bill Cosby reference then, but then that makes me look bad. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so, essentially, there was this uh, theory around what's called the force of natural selection. And the force of natu- natural selection has a sliding scale of kind of how useful we are to keeping the species going. If we're if we're useful, that's a good thing, but also we need to keep the species going and somewhere there's a balance between those things we have to reach. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Right. Now, essentially, yeah. the key kind of driver on that is reproduction. Fair enough. That's a key driver for many people. Yeah. At least the act of reproduction. Yeah. Not necessarily reproduction itself. True. Natural selection, bit of a perv, likes the reproduction. You know, very focused... <laughs> on that, um, especially if you're trying to do it with your driver. Anyway, okay. <laughs> not relevant. You know, selection rhymes with Election. Yeah, exactly. So the idea is that for natural selection, if like a gene or something turns up in your body before you reproduce that kills you, then right. it no longer exists. So anything that's going to kill you wants to hang around until after you've reproduced. Okay. So once you've reproduced... It kind of goes, look, I'm not really interested in you anymore. Uh, you kind of die off. So the, the what Michael Rose or Dr. Rose, Michael Rose, whatever, Mickey, what Mickey Rose. <laughs> uh, Mickey, you're so fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're so fine. You have fruit flies. Hey, Mickey. <laughs> so what he worked, what he kind of did in his research was he went, okay, well, if I take fruit flies that have an average lifespan of about 40 to 50 days, and I stop them and I've moved the reproduction age to make it later and do that over a series of generations, the hypothesis is that should extend their lifespan because natural selection is going to go, I can't kill you yet because you haven't reproduced. So I've got to hang around in the background in my trench coat just waiting (laughs) until that's sorted and then I can kill you, which I thought was pretty good. So Hmm. he actually managed to double the lifespan of fruit flies by doing that. Well, that's actually quite interesting and a kind of weird. It's a bit way. of a Frankenstein thing because he uh, he also says in a, in uh, some interviews that I read, uh, oh, yeah, 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 we kind of we moved it up, we moved it down, you know, we dicked around with it quite a bit just to see what we could do. <laughs> so what that doesn't mean though uh, is that if you didn't lose your virginity until you're forty two, you're going to live forever. <laughs> Although it will feel like it. <laughs> but essentially, what he did is the so the average lifespan is forty to fifty days. Uh, over a period of 12 generations, he only allowed flies that were 50 days old to reproduce. Okay. And in those 12 generations, assuming I read the stuff right, he doubled their lifespan. But he certainly, even if he didn't double it, if I got that wrong, who cares? Don't tell me. I'm not interested. Uh, but he did. Increase, it, sounds, it sounds interesting anyway. Yeah, he increased their lifespan uh, up to double. So he called them Methuselah flies. In reading one of the interviews, 
I thought uh, I thought this was a fairly interesting series of questions. Question was, how do you coax these fruit flies to live so long? His answer was, by tricking natural selection. I wait until they're older before letting them reproduce. So that's the doing that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, multiple generations of this procedure makes them live better than twice as long. There you go. Question: Are they are they immortal? This this will actually become relevant later on, but okay. the flies in my lab potentially can live forever. But of course, they don't because they have a high likelihood of dying by accident, <laughs> getting stuck in the medium and falling over face first and drowning. The regular <laughs> stuff. <laughs> We've all been there. Well, I've never had a sort of a, a torture dungeon for fruit flies in my home so i really don't know what the regular stuff is so but it does bring us a really interesting point of what's the difference because there is a distinction between uh aging and dying okay well that's fair because you can be aged but not die straight away correct and vice versa you can die without being old yes so from kind of listening reading and listening to his interviews a lot of the stuff of we were talking about in episode three of life expectancies was around People weren't necessarily dying because of age-related or physical-related things as much as getting their heads chopped off, uh, fighting tribes or um, doing particularly dangerous things, trying to hunt animals. And then, and then yeah. back in those days, it was pretty well, and you could, like you would die from a, you know, a scratch because if you got blood poisoning or something, there was no antibiotics oh, yeah. to kind of sort Absolutely. all that out. Which is why back in the last episode we were talking about such short lifespans back then mm. and even even back 100 years ago. Yeah. So to kind of understand the ageing model that uh, Hamilton and Rose are talking about, which is, and this is, it's all, it's all quite, there's a lot of research behind it. There's a lot of evidence behind it from what I can tell. Again, if you're relying on me to make any decisions based on this, it's more your issue than mine, but, but it, it's kind of quite radical compared to what the, generic what the general accepted theory of aging is okay so for the accepted theory of aging we need to go all the way back to aristotle 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 okay aristotle i was hoping you were going to correct me no no i I actually was it was so badly pronounced i didn't think you were trying to say aristotle (laughs) (laughs) i'm going well can't be aristotle (laughs) who the hell is he talking about that seems like a reasonable response then so interestingly Looking at Aristotle's kind of theory of aging, did a bit of research on that. Here's what I found. Aristotle saw the elderly as filled with faults. He believed that they were rigid, small-minded, suspicious, cynical, ungenerous, probably not a word, cowardly, and shameless. But they survived by shrewdness and calculation rather than through decency and moral values. They may seem self-controlled, this is only because they do not have the physical power to generate emotional feelings. Fuck you, Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest that Aristotle has been the beginning of all these problems we've been railing about for the past four episodes. Yeah, exactly. So that was actually... It's where it all began. That was taken from a uh, study by Hampton and Russell in 2006. So it's, it could be a bit out of context, apparently, because um, he'd said other stuff as well. But eh, sue me, Aristotle. <laughs> Yeah, he ain't coming at you. <laughs> so apparently, he's uh, he thought that the concern, the way that we aged, 
was a loss of heat and essentially an accumulation of issues and problems that uh, that kind of built up until we aged and died. A loss of heat. Well, well, who's stupid now, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I've got an Udi. I'll never <laughs> die. So, but essentially, I, from what I can understand, he kind of built the thing that we accept today of that we just live long enough to keep accumulating uh, things going wrong and things degenerating and they just keep building on each other and building on each other and building on each other like a cumulative thing until eventually our body goes, oh, fuck this, it's too much effort. Yeah, well, there's a bit of that, I think, that is real. So Rose says... Rose, Rose. who is the anti-Aristotle. Yes. Rose says, nah. I don't think he says it like that, but... It's apparently not about just sitting around and collecting issues until you get, uh, as you get older, until you die. So he says it's not a cumulative failure. It's a it's what's called Hamilton's force of natural selection. Right. And his theory is, which again there seems to be a whole bunch of evidence that um, that supports this. His theory is that aging actually stops when natural selection loses interest. So there's this kind of sliding scale, this declining scale where mm. um, natural selection is interested in you when you can make a difference to what's going to happen from a, an evolutionary perspective. But okay. when you get to a certain age, it goes, eh, you're doing nothing now. I've got no interest. And so it just essentially goes, I'm off to do something else. So does that mean if you're living a productive life, you're holding aging at bay. It would seem that way, but hold that thought. Okay. Uh, using my three, four hours of diligent research, sure, why not? That's actually not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so the only like the the what I found really difficult to come to grips with was with the idea of that like natural this kind of force of natural selection and it losing interest in you and because it, it kind of the image I get is like this micromanaging boss who's just hovering around you all the time. And then eventually figures out you're kind of not worth the effort anymore and moves on to mentally torture Umi and accounting instead. <laughs> Does this come from real life? Not as far as uh, my lawyers tell me, no. Anyway, the key thing is, is that it's all about natural selection. They just do one of the things that I've, uh, I want to clarify, maybe because it wasn't that long ago that I realized or learned this. But so when we talk about natural selection, you often talked about as survival of the fittest. It's often that's often confused with survival of the strongest, and it's not survival of the strongest. It's fittest, not as in oh, I'm fit, man. It's yeah. fittest as in the most suited or the most the best fit to their environment yeah. to be able to survive and reproduce. Other, otherwise, humans would be all absolute massive meat. <laughs> well, I think you've uh, I think you've, maybe you've identified 2023. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that goes back to um, when Darwin first realised that, uh, that evolution might be a thing uh, because on his voyage on the Beagle, they, they went, famously went to the Galapagos Islands. And um, one of the things they encountered on the Galapagos Islands, which, which is a, um, a set of islands, not just one island, a number of islands, and apparently on each island there were finches, but the finches that were on each island were, had different shaped beaks. And uh, he looked into it and realised that each of the the finches on the on each island were 
evolved to eat a different kind of food. So the one, some had long skinny beaks that were evolved to stick their beaks down long stemmed flowers and some could crack nuts and do various different things. So basically in that very small area, that very small place on earth, there had been evolution, which he was able to see really clearly from a very short time there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's an example of natural selection in Australia at the moment with cane toads. Yeah. Because um, cane toads were imported, oh, I don't know, sometime in the 20th century mm. to try to keep down some, I don't know what kind of things were eating, the, the sugar cane in Queensland, mm. so I don't know, some kind of pest in Queensland, but cane toads were their oh, natural yeah. enemy. And of course, the cane toads became a pest themselves, which is something that humans always manage to do. <laughs> and what, what they've found is happening is that cane toads are getting further and further from Queensland, and the ones that are getting furthest have the longest legs. Well, they're all probably also the smartest because they're getting away from Queensland. Sorry for, <laughs> sorry for all the Brisbane listeners. Uh, I know that we actually have quite a few listeners in Brisbane. Uh, I like okay. Brisbane. It's too fucking sweaty up there for me, but sorry. Okay. So, so that was CJ talking then, <laughs> but but I, I am a big fan of Queensland. Do we have to change it to Kingsland now? Well, it's named after Queen Victoria, so... Yeah. Unless she's become a drag king, though. So anyway, uh, cane toads, the further they get from Queensland... The happier they are. The longer their legs are. And so they, the longest leg ones get further away, then breed. And so they then pass on that gene. Oh. So, that then, so then all the ones that are 100 kilometres away from Queensland have longer legs than the ones that are in Brisbane. And then if they can get 200 kilometres away, they'll breed and they'll pass on that long leg gene, and it actually is how it works. Oh. That's, how, that's how evolution works. So the way you can tell the cane toes that are furthest away from Queensland is because they're wearing jeans? Uh, no. No, but they have sexy legs. <laughs> and there's goody. <laughs> More cane toed legs, sir? Oh, I don't think I could fit another in. <laughs> Or one. <laughs> so anyway, the key point is it's all about natural selection. So Rose uh, and his kind of gang of science dudes, I'm not sure that's the appropriate collective noun, but I'm going to go with yeah, that. I think researchers. So his, his theory or his whole thing is that when natural selection loses interest in you, because it's, it's, you're not worth perving on anymore, is that your right. body just goes, eh, I don't need to age anymore. And so his kind of thing is if you could stop your body ageing at like a reasonable age, like kind of 55, 60, then assuming you don't get stuck in the medium or fall face first and drown in the water. (laughs) Which is perfectly understandable. Yeah, regular things. uh, That in fact you could live indefinitely. There's no reason why he says there's no no reason why eventually humans won't be able to live kind of until they have an accident and die. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's precedents for these things, like things that seem to live forever, like sea anemones, trees, Keanu Reeves. But, <laughs> but it's not just natural selection, or that, while that's a big part of it, he's also a really big fan of using medical technology to stop you getting sick or to repairing any damage. So he talks I'm about. I'm a big fan of that too. Yeah, me too. Uh, so he talks about things like um, uh, pre. Mature ejaculation? 
So anyway, as I was saying in my professional researchy kind of way, of course, the what's his name who invented the um, uh, like the uh, thing? Yeah, the the guy with the thing in the place, the the germ guy, Louis Pasteur. That's the one. Yeah. So yeah, so he he kind of uses that as as an as an analogy, which is harder to say than you would think. The of yeah. like prior to that, everybody went eh, washing hands. Eh, who cares about? It? But then. That became like the medical kind of practices of the time. And so those were things that you adopted to stop you getting sick. So he's saying yeah. the same thing is that if there's shit around that can keep you healthy, do it. Like yeah. if you can go into hospital and get something. Like you were saying with your grandfather who had the, the heart thing that could have been repaired today. If you can get it repaired, yeah. fuck, go and get it repaired. For yeah. sure. So his kind of thing is that eventually uh, in a fairly short period of time, we'll get to a point where medical technology will be able to, kind of sort out any of the shit that we can fuck up in our yeah. bodies. And if we can do the kind of lifestyle environment uh, diet to stop the aging process, then theoretically we could in- live indefinitely. Yeah. So immortality is at hand. Yeah. You've heard it here first. <laughs> Which has got a whole bunch of other issues that I can see with it that we don't have time to unpack. People who we can't stand living forever. Actually, I hadn't thought of that one, but that's probably the biggest, yeah, that's actually probably the important <laughs> Donald yeah. Trump living forever. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I got nowhere to go with that. So uh, what Dr. Michael Rose uh, postulates is that it's all about adaptability and how adaptable uh-huh. our bodies are to certain lifestyle components and diets. So the agricultural revolution thing, dairy and grains and shit. So, so what he says is that we haven't actually managed to evolve enough for our bodies to adapt or our cells and our our genomes to adapt to things like grains and grasses and dairy. But what he says is that young people can actually adapt quite quickly to these kind of changes and can deal with them. So when he says young, he's talking about like under 40, what he considers young people. Old people, not so much. Our cells and genomes tend to not adapt, which is when I was thinking about it, that's why when I was younger... I used to be able to eat three pineapple donuts with cream and a pizza for breakfast, not really put on any weight. So what he's what he kind of found with these, and this goes all back to the fruit fly research stuff as well, is that what he did was he changed their diet from uh, what they would have, what fruit flies kind of would have eaten in the Paleolithic times right. versus kind of what they're feeding on now, which is different from whatever area he got the fruit flies from. When he put them back to the what they would have the the approximation and equivalent of what they would have been eating back then, okay. that extended their lifespan as well. When he gave them kind of shitty food, that reduced their lifespan. And then fruit has tra- changed a lot. And a lot of things have changed because humans have changed them. Yes. Because of because of humans, even though people freak out about genetically modified foods humans have been genetically modifying foods ever since we've been doing farming because we've been selectively breeding things Mm. so like for instance carrots didn't used to be orange they're only orange because apparently they were bred to be orange in um, in holland because that was the national color (laughs) it's true and it caught on so all carrots are orange now but they never used to be orange The, the kind of grains that they were growing in paleolithic age nothing like what we have now there was no such thing as as ear, like corn cobs mm. and like they were tiny little things basically 
things like um, wheat is just a form of grass mm. and it looked more like grass than the kind of thing we have now because now we have this massive thing because it's been selectively bred that way. And I imagine if you're saying that uh, people haven't evolved to eat grain, well, not only have people not evolved to eat the grain they were eating 50,000 years ago, we're changing grain every year. Mm. So we can't ever evolve to, to finish it, eat it, because we keep on changing what it looks like it is. Yeah. And the like the, the other thing you were saying was like the diet that we've got now, the, what they call the industrial diet. So there's the, the ancestral diet, which is kind of paleolithic, the agricultural diet. And then what we've got now is the industrial diet. Uh, and essentially all the stuff that I read and listened to was like the diet that we've got now is just... It's just no one's adapting to this. But interestingly, they did say if we kind of keep going with this kind of diet of, you know, all the kind of shit that we eat, that eventually our bodies will adapt to it. Like for the young people, they'll adapt to it um, and be able to kind of survive it. But the the older people, like over 40s, won't still. So what you're saying is like before... So before you're 40, you can eat any old crap. Pretty well. Pretty much. But as soon as you've hit 40 or thereabouts, you stop being able to do it. So it's, mm. that's not really evolving to do that. That's something else, isn't it? That's just being – that's just Mother Nature being ageist. <laughs> Fuck you, Mother Nature. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's similar, I think. It's that the, the our bodies are able to adapt better – when we're younger so it's it like essentially it's we shouldn't be eating that sort of stuff ever but we can our bodies can deal with it better when we're under 40 than when we're over 40 so what he suggests is and in fact he says if you're under 40 don't even bother to do a like a like the 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 term is kind of, they talk about paleo diet in some of the things, but it's kind of not quite paleo diet. Then there's ancestral diets and it's all kind of yeah. similar, but, but slightly different. But he said, he's kind of said, don't even bother to do that if you're under 40. Okay. Because it's not, you don't need to, and it's not really going to give you that much benefit. He said the, the most benefit that you get from uh, switching to like an ancestral diet, which I'll talk about in a sec, uh, is over 50. Okay, because it's going to massively change the way that your body kind of works and processes, and and it ties into a range of things. There's ancestral and paleo and keto and all this other those type of things as well. So they, it gets called a whole bunch of different names. Okay, now can I just point out something that's going to be considering how we started this conversation that could be very devastating to you. Um. Beer is made out of grain. Oh fuck! I'm not doing. I'm like I'm not going to do any of this. I just read about <laughs> okay. it. But uh, also, in some of my research for um, the the first book I wrote, there is a, a hypothesis. The reason that humans began to live in cities was so that they had enough people to grow enough grain to make enough beer for people. They didn't. They didn't live in cities to grow grain to feed people. It was about beer. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, but that's there's actually a um, a beer before bread hypothesis. That's what ah, it's called. Okay. Well, it's, it's words to live by. 
Well, yeah, but also I, I don't think you would find the kind of beer that they drank then quite the same as your is um, that what I'm drinking prancing. No. no, now apparently the, the, I actually read about what the beer was like in Sumeria, and apparently it was more like porridge. It had stuff floating, like big chunks of stuff floating in it, and they drank it through a straw. Yeah. So, um, just something to consider. Yeah. I don't think they had a, a Mesopotamian IPA. There's probably a brewery out there working on that right now. There probably is, <laughs> but it wouldn't be a paleo one. No. <laughs> so, essentially, what Rose talks about uh, and all his uh, his cronies, which makes it sound bad, but is the idea of that after forty, we should be starting to transition to like a non-agricultural diet. So start to fade out things like grain um, and grass-related things and milk um, and dairy and anything kind of dairy-related. So any of that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, and kind of focus more on um, – and seed oils as well to seed things. So seed oils are apparently um, a pretty shit. Okay. I didn't realise that. Right. There you go. Uh, the other thing that I found interesting was – that there's the like there's a whole thing of like paleo is all about eating meat and you know and being bad. Yeah. So when you look at uh, the stuff that was written, like Liver King, hey? you haven't heard about Liver King? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. It sounds like something I would probably need to know about. Well, it's a guy. He's a like an influencer on Instagram, I think, and he's like this older dude. Well, older probably probably if he's fifty, he'd be maybe just um but he's he he's built like really built right super built right and he was saying his whole his whole thing was you know you don't have to um you don't have to do all these amazing things all you have to do is eat this diet where you eat raw liver and all this kind of stuff yeah. and then it turned out like he's he is unbelievably built well right. the steroids did it uh-huh and then it all came out. Right. So it's been a big controversy recently about the Liver King because you know he's promoting this kind, of, this uh, this body image for older people, which is um, totally unrealistic unless you're prepared to shrink your testicles by taking um, steroids. So we need to put the words allegedly uh, in front of any of that. No, no, that's cool. Okay, cool. All out there. Okay, so tiny nut Liver King is in fact wrong. Uh, according to Rose, so the the from an evolutionary point of view, what the from our teeth and jaw and stuff like that is that it suggests that for like millions of years we've been having a cooked omnivore diet. Okay. Apparently, back in the Paleolithic times, the more interesting stuff to them because meat was a lot of effort was the organs. So liver apparently liver is spectacularly good if it's cooked. Um, and things like brains and all that sort of shit that I wouldn't eat. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, so apparently they would like, they'd eat meat, roots, lots of plants, like salady type plants, eggs, honey, uh, animal, lots of animal organs, uh, and sometimes meat. Okay. Now, something you said there just um, just triggered something, a memory in me, with some other research I'd done, mm. which was to do with how you were talking about, you know, previously, uh, like pre humans had great big jaws and teeth so they could eat raw food. Mm-hmm. And apparently the discovery of cooking is what enabled humans to use less energy 
to digest food and and then evolve a smaller jaw. So the, mm. but previously to, to digest uh, uncooked meat takes a lot of energy. Yes, yeah. and the energy the energy that was used to digest uncooked meat was apparently um, re sort of rerouted to help develop our brains. Mm. So the discovery of cooking helped us evolve into sentient beings. Yes, I did read something about that. And the flip side of that was that our, from an agricultural, well, I mean, the agricultural agricultural stuff here is our brains reduced by 11%. That's what the liver king told me. Anyway. <laughs> and you'd have to believe him. Yeah. Essentially, so, the, yeah. Um, the whole thing is it kind of comes down to that uh, if you're over 40, it's worthwhile starting to transition from a, and again, I've got no opinion on this. This is, I'm just telling you what, what I read about. Yeah. Uh, is that you start transitioning away from kind of agricultural stuff and that you'll actually feel much better. You're like phys- physically and physiologically, uh, mentally and emotionally, you're apparently better. You'll feel better for that. Uh, and even if you do like a half ass job of it, uh, apparently it's still better to do that than to not do it at all. Mm. And that's exactly what I'm doing at the moment. Is doing a half-assed job of that exact thing. I did, I'm not. I wasn't intending to go paleo in any in any way. I was just trying to find ways to reduce my carb intake hmm. and and sugar intake. Um, so so I've been looking for things like nuts and that kind of thing to take the place of and snacks and that kind of. And it's I do feel better. Yeah. I do. I actually do feel. Uh, like I don't go to bed at like I don't like at this time of night. If I'd had the normal meal I used to have, I'd have felt really full and like a bit tired because I'd shoved all this sort of pasta and stuff in the gut mm. and, and had to try to use energy to um, to digest it, and I was, I'd get tired. So now I don't have that kind of load on my digestive system. I actually feel brighter at night, and I don't feel as heavy. I don't feel um, like I, I, and it has helped my state of mind as well. Yeah, yeah. There you go. so I, I would agree with all that. Nice. I uh, I did three weeks on the PAL diet because I misread some instructions. Uh, Was that a dog food diet? Yeah, don't probably don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does all this have to do with feeling younger than a biological age? Good question. Yeah, I wish I had an answer. I don't know. I just thought it was actually really interesting. Uh, and it was kind of off the back of the life expectancy on thing in, uh, in episode three. But uh, wrapping it up, the question that I wanted answered from all of this is that does it mean that if we just keep rooting later into our life and chowing down on meat, we'll stop aging sooner uh, and making ourselves feel, look and act younger than our biological age? And the answer no. is a resounding no, not at all. Uh, yeah. It needs to happen over generations, has to be everybody. But, okay. uh, not that's helpful for us, Rose reckons that within 100 years with a combination of ancestral diet and lifestyle combined with medical technology, supplements, etc., humans should be able to just continue to live essentially until they die. Although I think actually technically we're probably doing that now. Um, and it should be happening <laughs> until they die, not from... Being old. Oh, well, yeah. But die from being in an accident or yeah. falling, being murdered or something. Yeah, or falling face first into the uh, into the water or getting caught in the median. If you want to find out more about Michael Rose and ageing, you can check out... Actually, if you just Google Michael Rose and ageing, that will bring you a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, otherwise, he's also got a website called 
55 theses, which when I've heard a bit in the interview, uh, I heard, heard as 55 theses. And when I tried to count them, I could only really come up with nine at best. But it's, <laughs> it's essentially, uh, if, you, if you Google that, you'll come up with uh, one sentence kind of topics that have more detail and information behind them. So it's, it's like a, uh, uh, a list of here's his, his theory from beginning to end. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe this is the time to introduce our new segment, Ask the AI. Oh, yes. Because yeah, I um I asked the AI the question, can humans eat shit all our lives? <laughs> and this is what ChatGPT had to say. Ask an AI. Hi ChatGPT. Can a person eat shit their whole life? No. It is not healthy or safe for humans to eat feces, also known as shit, for their entire lives. Feces contains harmful bacteria and toxins that can lead to serious illnesses, such as food poisoning, hepatitis, and cholera. Eating feces can also disrupt the normal balance of bacteria in the digestive system, which can lead to further health problems. In addition, feces is not a source of essential nutrients that the human body needs to function properly. Therefore, it is important for individuals to maintain a balanced and nutritious diet that excludes consuming feces in any form. Well, clearly, ChatGPT took that a little too literally. <laughs> Although I can't say too much when I, prior to that said I was concerned about the 55 feces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't planned, that. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. Let me take you on a journey through time and look at humanity's greatest ideas. At first, we didn't know how to wear clothes or talk. Then we learned to make tools and weapons and megastructures. And then we learned to think. Humanity has done some amazing things. And yet, still, some people think the aliens did it. Spoiler alert, they didn't. From cave to Colosseum, these were the light bulb moments in human history. Lightbulb Moments in Human History by Scott Edwin Williams is not the history you were taught in school. And it's available now wherever books are sold. In today's episode of You're Not Helping, You're not helping. we're going to be having a look at advertising and right. how advertising doesn't help the perception of 50 being old. Never helps. Which is kind of the point of the segment because <laughs> if they were helping the perception of 50 being old then it probably would be you're helping and it's not it's you're not helping so advertising you're not all right we'll move on <laughs> i was reading today that 50 percent of australians are over 50 i did not know that although having said that out loud that doesn't sound true uh so i might let me uh, uh if you if this makes it into the podcast it means that i fact checked it and it is true I actually have a feeling that that is true. I'm pretty sure I've heard something like that too. Oh, that's good enough for me then. Fact checked. <laughs> so I did a little bit of research oh. into advertising to the over fifties, and I'm sure there were no problems. And there's been quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of stuff done on this around ageism in ads and uh, and that type of thing. This is some information that I got from hold your questions, Grandsnet. Grandsnet. <laughs> so Grandsnet There are so many questions Grandsnet What the hell? 
uh, com is which actually appears to be quite a reputable site. So uh, I'm sure so this, this is not intended to be a, a downer on GrandsNet. Yeah, yeah, seems totally legit, CJ. Or grands of any of any kind, with net or otherwise. But they did a survey of uh, more than a thousand users. What what drug users or no GrandsNet users? And they found there's, there's some really interesting stats in this. 55% of uh, people surveyed, unsurprisingly, hated the words older, silver, mature, and senior. Okay. Surprised it's only 55%. I do remember many years ago, because my dad got one of these letters, uh, there was a government um, mailing out to all people over 60. And it started off being addressed to Dear Older Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and the shit hit the fan about that so badly. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Dear older Australian. <laughs> so I don't think that was ever repeated. Of only 12% believe uh, ad agencies creating ads really understand the 50-plus age group. 60% think they don't. 85% believe that ads aimed at older people rely on stereotypes and 79% say their age group is patronised by advertisers or patronised, whichever Yep. It makes a difference if it's patronised by advertisers or patronised by advertisers. <laughs> yes, it does. That makes a big difference. Yeah. So let's say it's patronised by advertisers. <laughs> what I found interesting was 63% said that brands don't realise that 50 is not old. Oh, that explains a lot. Which kind of highlights and supports the concept of 50 years old in society. 61% don't like the fact that ads assume that older people are just some kind of homogenous group rather than, and so they simply target older people rather than okay. individuals. So there's, when I look through, um, I look through a couple of, <laughs> couple of ads that uh, were considered to be inappropriate. Well, love me some inappropriate ads. Could be good. There's an ad for a company called Fed Group who seem to be focusing on, I'm assuming, superannuation or something like that. Right. The, the image in the ad is a skeleton <laughs> no it's a woman uh, who's clearly had significant plastic surgery so the lips the cheek implants the kind of eyes that are pointing upwards at the end stupidly large perky boobs so kind of like that um that woman in russia who made herself into a barbie doll yeah kind of with the uh, so the the tagline for them is your employees might be denying their age, but you should be thinking about their retirement. <laughs> yes, so the uh, yes, so people who get old are always trying to hide their age and are always trying to spend a lot of money looking, uh, trying to look younger than they are. If they're working when they're close to retirement, I can guarantee you they don't have enough money to do that kind of work. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then of course there was the uh, there was a 2018 ad called. Don't get mad, get E-Trade, which depicted buffoonish people in their 80s having to work at jobs that they were ill-suited for and making, uh, doing a bad job of, such as lifeguard and firefighter because they didn't save enough money for retirement. Well, nothing like punching down. Go for it, guys. Get into those 80-year-olds. Not only did the campaign mock retirees who were struggling financially, <laughs> it also alienated those who actually did have 
the largest amount of money and investable assets. Way to go. So I'm guessing that that didn't work that well. Yep. I'm, I'm amazed at how um, young creatives just don't get it. And yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, a, lot of, a lot of the articles that I read, uh, well, kind of half, well, when I say read, skimmed, in a lot of cases where you look at where, who advertising agencies are populated by, it's people who aren't over 50. It's young creatives who are, it sounded a bit uh, as though I was making fun of young creatives. Oh, well, fuck it, I am making fun of young creatives. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like it's young creatives who for anybody who's over the age of uh, 32 is old uh, and out of touch. Yeah, silly old 30-year-old. Uh, I even did find a, uh, a an article, an article? Uh, yeah, an article, uh, talking about uh, which is called the, the Problem with Ageism in Advertising, which was quite useful. It talked about um, they kind of polled some people and they... And the, the, the common theme that I found in all of this was every survey that was taken, the vast majority said, stop portraying people over 50 years old, you fuck knuckles. Yeah, right on. It's not that hard. They wouldn't think so. Go and talk to a 50-year-old person. Yeah. And it gets, it's similar to, to what we've talked about before of is that if you replace uh, age with any other demographic, it becomes completely inappropriate. Totally. It seems to be okay to do that for age-related things. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I, I should start making notes about when it happens because I, I get frustrated by it, but I, I just don't focus on it enough to really sort of, and I should considering we're doing this podcast, it should be something that's front of mind. <laughs> <laughs> it would make perfect sense to take it very seriously, but maybe I need to start taking notes. But it, it does bother me and it bothers me a lot. So that brings us to the end of another episode of What's My Age Again? What's your takeaway this week, CJ? Uh, my takeaway is uh, currently McDonald's uh, with a side <laughs> of... Uh, <laughs> uh, no, because after listening to uh, everything I had to say tonight, that would be a very, it would be <laughs> very, very... Definitely not paleo. No, no, no. No, I'm pretty confident that uh, there was no... McPaleo. Yeah. Well, it's all those crumbs on there. We just wrecked the paleo part. <laughs> Unless they were nut crumbs. Actually, there you go. <laughs> there you go, McDonald's. There's an idea, idea for you, McPaleo. <laughs> we'll give that to you for nothing. Yeah. Unless you actually use it. In that case, it's uh, <laughs> it's been recorded here and we'll be coming to see you for some royalties. Uh, so the question was, can humans eat shit all their life? Not uh, unfortunate segue for McDonald's there. <laughs> but no, on both counts. <laughs> I think uh, I think the AI chat summed it up pretty well of, uh, no, you can't eat feces your entire <laughs> life. It's bad for you. Uh, but I think it probably it applies to both the literal sense and the metaphorical sense. Uh, yes, well, you can technically eat shit all your life as long as you're happy for your life to be quite short and you spend most of your time being nauseous. There's probably some listeners out there who are, who are into coprophilia, uh, but let's not go there. So instead, we'll sign off. So this is me. And this is me. And if you don't find society's expectations align with how you feel... Or you just don't feel your age. Or if you've just got a half-vaguely interesting story about being <laughs> over 50... Uh, drop us a line at 
the old folks home 69 at gmail.com jeez well you can contact us on any of the socials uh, which are some combination of old folks home and 69 (laughs) (laughs) I still reckon we should change that yeah I think it's too late for that now anyway thanks for listening and remember to make sure that you get more of this exciting valuable and beneficial content so beneficial (laughs) Life-changing. <laughs> you should always follow, rate and review all episodes. And if symptoms persist, see your doctor. Individual results may vary. Artist's impression may not represent actual events. Join us on the next episode of What's My Age Again? Is that it? Are we done? And now, a word from our sponsors. So it's time for another ad from our sponsor... The one that pays us lots and lots of money, that one. That's the one, yes. So previously we've been advertising a book called Funny You Should Ask from an author named Elwood Scott. It's time for a big reveal. I am Elwood Scott. (gasps) Yeah, it's just a pen name. I thought it would be easier to do, but it's actually made it more complicated. So, Uh, yep, it's me. And by the way, I'm Scott. And Elwood Scott is not Scott. He's not Scott. Elwood Scott is CJ. <laughs> yes, I'm glad we cleared that up. I'm not confusing at all. <laughs> so, aside from paying us lots of money for the Funny You Should Ask ads, I'll now be paying us lots of money for my latest release, Colin Calls the Help Desk. I haven't seen any of this money, by the way. Yeah, I'm hanging on to it just to make sure that it's kept safe. Anyway, Colin Calls the Help Desk is a hilarious and relatable take on the absurdities of office life. Follow Colin the Koala, hold questions, as he dives into his first job and meets Graham, a cynical employee who's just hanging out for redundancy, Bob, his continually disorganised boss, and Brenda, who seems to spend most of her time telling everyone how busy she is. Now, there are a couple of questions that people have raised to me when I've told them about this book. I have questions. Not not least of which... uh, the main question I get when I say the main character is called Colin the Koala is, is this a kid's book? The answer is no. Not if you want your kids to ever get a job. Because it's a very much satirical take on all the stupid shit that happens in an office. Uh, so I, I have questions. That's good. Questions are good. One of my questions is, okay, you've said the main character is Colin the Koala. So is the koala... A nickname like Nicky the Llama or Oblong Doug? Nope. Colin the Koala is 100% Koala. But aren't koalas generally naked, drunk and spend all their time sleeping or catching chlamydia? No, you're thinking of Brian from accounting. (laughs) Uh, Colin actually wears a suit. He's sober. He's maybe a little naive. But he's keen. He's enthusiastic. He's incited to lean in, add value and grab the low-hanging fruit. Uh Did you go to university to become a writer? No, I didn't. I don't have any formal koalifications. (laughs) You see what I did there? (laughs) It's Colin the Koala. No formal writing koalifications. That's the kind of high-level, highbrow (laughs) humour that you'll find in Colin Calls. Actually, seriously, uh, it is better than that. So if you... (laughs) (laughs) Available on Amazon... In all the backs, hardback, like anybody's buying a hardback except for me. Uh, <laughs> paperback and razorback. <laughs> yep, 
Yes, it's uh, the disadvantage to the Razorback version is that when you... <laughs> when it arrives, it charges through your lounge room at about uh, 25 kilometres an hour and uh, gores you to death before you get to read it. So it's, not, it's not one of the best-selling versions, I'll have to say. But, uh, yes, all versions available on the Amazon. I'd love to hear your reviews. But it's always important to remember... Leave a five-oink review. <laughs> I'm writing this review for my hospital bed. <laughs> I enjoyed Colin Calls the Help Desk. I slightly regret the rates of edition. <laughs> Once my groin heals... <laughs> I'll be looking forward to book two. In, in paperback. <laughs> 4.5 stars. <laughs> it lost 0.5 of a star because delivery was late. But when it came, it really came. <laughs> Colin calls the help desk. <laughs> Available on Amazon.